You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. John chapter 12 in your Bibles, would you turn there with me? Let's just dive into the truth this morning. I mean, dive into the truth. We are in a sermon series entitled, When God Shows Up, and then the little phrase underneath that kind of explains what we mean by the sermon series title. We're desiring a greater experience of God's presence. So I'll get into that in just a moment. The sermon is not super lengthy uh, this morning, but I do believe that what we're going to say is going to be helpful, encouraging, uh, and prayerfully inspiring to all of us. So let's jump into the passage. It's pretty amazing. Are you ready? John chapter 12, verse 20. Now, among those that went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him this question, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, pay close attention as we dive deeper into this text. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, and church, he says it to us this morning, unless a grain of of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We're talking about when God shows up. That's what we're talking about. And what we've been doing is trying to preface that by saying this, that although God may always be present, and we acknowledge that, the, the, the title of the series is not to insinuate that God is not here. God certainly is everywhere, and he is here this morning. But we, we look at our lives, and I'm asking you to look at your life again this morning. I'm looking at my life this morning, and I'm asking myself this question. Uh, although God is present, are there times when he's not really present or showing up in my life? Are there times when he doesn't feel close to me? We would describe it maybe this way, that God doesn't always answer my prayers. Oftentimes I've talked to people in my office and they may say something similar to this. It just feels like when I pray, you know, that the prayers go no farther than the ceiling. We know God's hearing those prayers. We know those prayers are real, but we don't feel they're effective. We might say it like this, God doesn't always reveal what he's doing in my life. I can't figure God out. I don't see God in this. Maybe God doesn't always manifest his presence in my life. So we are studying the scriptures together to answer this question, when is it that God does show up and what is it that turns God off so that he doesn't manifest his presence in my life? So we've acknowledged that God shows up when I'm weak. We've also talked about that God does show up when I'm humble. And this morning, we're going to talk about this. When God shows up when I'm serving. When I'm serving. When I'm spending myself in kingdom endeavors, God shows up 
in a powerful way. When I'm working for the master instead of asking him to work for me. When I'm serving him. When I'm spending my life. Key word in the text. When I'm spending my life in, in a kingdom endeavor. Now, I realize this goes against culture, church. I really do. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we're a pretty self-absorbed culture, right? I mean, I, I, t- to sit here and say that uh, we would all be super excited and, uh, uh, about spending our lives doing something out of our comfort zone or, you know, all these responsibilities. I mean, did anybody, you know, for instance, you know, we, we check out all the opportunities that come on the screen before the service and they're there for decoration for most of us you know I mean it's it's nice that the church seems busy but probably not for me I've got a lot going on already I get that and and that's the culture we live in we are uh including myself selfish and self-absorbed at times because Americans have so much and you know this last two weeks on vacation we spent it in Florida and we were in places that were very nice, you know, and we had a guy take us out on his boat for a little while, and we were in this little peninsula, and he pointed to a house that looked like it was new construction, so I asked him about the house, and he said, yeah, it's 27,000 square feet. They finished it last month, and the final cost was $25 million, and there's four people that live there. I thought, well, that's, that's a lot of house. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I'm not being critical of that as much as I'm simply saying we're blessed in this country. We have a lot. The world thinks this way. That the more we have, the more we want. But here's the question. Is that the way the church thinks? Is that the way you and I think? The more we have, the better off we are. The more we have in this life, on this earth the more we should want to have and store up. Is that the way the church thinks? Recently, I heard a quote from, the, from a pastor, and I believe he's, he's, he's right. He said this, that it's never been more difficult to recruit followers of, committed followers of Jesus into active ministry. It's never been more difficult to get somebody to say, you know what, I'll, I'll volunteer for that. I'll, I'll, I'll spend my time uh, an hour a week maybe, or an hour and a half a week, or, hey, yeah, that, count me into that. It's, it's become more difficult. The phrase, you know, 10% of the people do 90% of the work is an indictment upon, really, at times, Christianity. And so we have to address this as, what is the reason for that? And what is all that about? And, and, and I feel like we are really good these days, and it's a good thing, and I'm for it. But we worship God, and we enjoy God, and we like that part of it. There's been a real pendulum swing in the church. It happened here at Gospel Light. Uh, I mean, I love to come to church and worship. I enjoy the hour we have together every week. I love it. It's refreshing. It feeds me. It, it ministers to me. Hey, it's, it's fun. I had fun a moment ago worshiping. I enjoyed it. It was great. But there's been a pendulum swing, I feel, because in the past it was all about working, 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 serving, 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 serving. And it was all about doing, 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 doing. And our, the, you know, the theme song for an old-fashioned church would have been, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work, you know. It's all about work, you know. And I get that too. But it seems as if Many would say, 
you know, I'm just burned out. I've kind of put in, and I got burned. Things didn't work out for me. But I don't mind coming to church for an hour. I enjoy the worship. The worship is great. I enjoy that time together. So when does God shows up? I believe he shows up when we're serving. So let's look at the text. Let's find out how that looks for our church. And let's dive in and open our hearts to this truth that might help the pendulum to swing a little bit backwards towards the balance of worshiping, enjoying God, and serving, and worship and serving the master. Amen? Number one, death to self, it's in the text, death to self comes before faithful service. Preacher, I want to serve. I really do. I like the idea of serving. What's it going to take? It's going to take, number one, death to self. Let's look together at John 12, 24, at the words of Jesus Christ himself, who said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, first and foremost, Jesus is talking about himself. Think with me about the life of Christ. What if Jesus would have just lived his life? Just lived, that's all. Just lived, woke up, got out of bed, you know, went about doing a few good things here and there, had a good meal, went on vacation like the rest, just lived his life like the rest of us. If that's all he would have done, that's not all he did. Jesus did live, but he died. He died and he rose again. And the power of Christ's life comes from his death and comes from his resurrection. Think about verse 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, speaking of himself, likening himself to this grain of wheat, one single grain of wheat, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it's really cute. It's really nice. But one grain of wheat is not effective until it dies. It's into the ground. It, it's buried. And then and only then does it bear much fruit. And in the next verse, Jesus says, your life is just like that. Notice in verse 25, he says, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It seems like many Christians have not gotten very far in this matter of death to self. And the truth is this, that death to self comes before faithful service. Because there is no powerful life, there is no way to have a powerful life that is greatly used of God when self is in the way. And so if you want to be used powerfully of God, we must address this matter of death to self. Notice again verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, it doesn't mean hate your life. Just simply hate your life. I mean, just, just that's not what Christ is calling us to, just to be a bunch of haters of our lives. It means hate your life by comparison to how much you love the things of God. So let me ask you this question that I really believe the text forces us to ask. It's a little uncomfortable. But I say it with a smile. Do you love your life? Do you love your dreams for your life? Do you love your plans for your financial security in this life? Do you love your things, your house, your car, your vacation plans? Do you love these 
things. Because the scripture says, whoever loves his life loses it. It's like trying to hold on to something that keeps slipping away. It's like saying through an hourglass. I mean, I look at my life. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm 56 years old. I, I look at my life and I realize if this, all the, if this is all there is to life, is just my life, then what have I got left? Well, according to just the average person in Arkansas, I've got about 20 years left. If I die, the average lifespan of an Arkansan, 20 more years of this life, so I better love my life for at least 20 more years because that's, that's, that's all I've got. See, whoever loves his life loses it. You say, well, then how can I find my life? Are you ready? Let it go. Surrender it. Lay it down. Spend yourself in dedication and fervent commitment to Christ, and then you'll find your life. You'll find it. Oh, listen, I'm thinking this morning of of some of those, uh, just in our church, many in our kind. I'm thankful for those examples of people. And I I chose specifically those who have lived a little bit longer just to to share this word of testimony because I think it's so encouraging. I think about Diana Russo. Uh, Vince plays our electric guitar and Diane is in our church. And I think about her faithful service in our nursery. I mean, she is so faithful. She, you, you can count on her to be there and to serve on a weekly basis, even though Diana is in her 60s, late 60s, early 70s. She is still there serving joyfully in that children's ministry. I think about Russ and Ruth. Russ and Ruth over here have been married how many years? 56 years. You know, just I, I preached in the retirement center yesterday and... and uh, I preached about Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the Bible says about them that they were old and well-stricken in years. I thought, what's wrong with that? You ask my wife how old she is, she always says a year older than she is. Drives me crazy. How old are you? She says, I'm 50, I'm almost 57. I'm like, would you say 56, please? (laughs) It's always, I'm almost 57, you know. In other words, at the end of the day, you know, when we talk to people, we say, how old are you? Why? Because you're old. You're getting old. I'm getting old. We're all getting, what's wrong with getting old? This life is short anyway. The fact of the matter is, I love the testimony as Russ joined our church with his wife and and they said, we want to get involved. We want to be used. What can we do? We don't want to just be sitting here. You know, what what, what, what can we do? And and they started a class over here in the music room and, 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 and man, God is blessing that already and building it. I want to encourage you guys. Thank you for, for getting yourself involved in a kingdom endeavor. Losing your life so you can find it. I believe the Lord is holding this principle up to us this morning. God shows up when we lose our lives so we can find it. And I'm calling upon you this morning as a group of people, as followers of Jesus Christ, to rise up like an army and involve yourself in weekly faithful service to Jesus Christ. And with that said, I have a couple of commercials for you. I figure if you got bored of the sermon, you might need a commercial. I hope you're enjoying the sermon. I'm here with my son, Josiah Capaci, our children's pastor. He's going to tell you about an opportunity to have a weekly kingdom responsibility right here at Gospel Light. Joe? 
Yeah, Gospel Light, on Wednesday evenings, uh, we have several groups that meet. We have several small groups that meet. We have our Madhouse student ministry that meets. We have Ignite that meets sometimes on Wednesday uh, evenings. And so on Wednesday, we wanted to provide an opportunity for the children to have a gospel-centered experience as well and have fun. And so uh, on Wednesday evenings, we provide child uh, care and, again, a program for the kids, for the parents at the small groups, for the workers at Madhouse, and for the, uh, different people like that, uh, even people that don't even come to our church sometimes show up and we watch their kids so it's an awesome time we would love to have five ten volunteers that would help us myself my wife my dad my mom we all serve on wednesday nights and we'd love to have a couple more people to be able to experience uh, loving kids and letting them know that jesus loves them too that's amazing so go to gospel.org click on steps to becoming a volunteer and be a part of impacting children's lives on wednesday night it's about an hour and a half if you could do it once a week once a month we'd love to have you that was brought to you by, okay, aren't you glad that commercial wasn't long as some of the commercials that you have on, t- anyway, I'll just thought I'd throw that in. So, Lincoln gets baptized today, right, little six-year-old Lincoln, he goes to that children's ministry because his parents attend a small group on Wednesday nights, so they need somewhere for their child to go while they're there, so they bring their kids to, to the children's ministry, and it's awesome, and my wife teaches Lincoln, and he said, on his own accord, he said, you know, yeah, I, I learned a lot about Jesus on Wednesday nights at that children's ministry. You'll, you'll, listen, that little hour and a half that we spent, I saw my wife crying when I came. But, oh, it's so sweet. I can't believe it. I bet you'll be there next week, honey. I know. You're motivated now. It's just so encouraging to know that that little piece of time that we're putting into the church is producing fruit. When you die to self, fruit begins to come all up around you and you see the the blessing of serving Jesus as he blesses that and honors that. There's a website you can go to if you press on steps to become a volunteer. It's that bottom left, my left there, steps to become a volunteer. It goes to another webpage where there's a couple of little things you have to do. One is a a background check that we require. And obviously in the culture we live in, we have to do that. We do that for the purpose of just continuing to protect our church and our church family. I know you appreciate that. So there is some effort you put into becoming a volunteer. But when that happens, then you can sit down with one of our elders or staff pastors or our small group pastor, Craig, and just talk about, hey, what would be a good fit for me? I've got about an hour a week. I've got 30 minutes. I've got 45 minutes a week. I I really want to start stewarding a little bit of time towards the, the kingdom endeavor that Preacher talked about. God shows up. And if that happens on a wide scale of 100 people, if 100 people in the two services would say, I'm going to go to that site, click on that, get that process started, I guarantee you we're going to be seeing, in, in, in my humble opinion, based on Scripture, God showing up in a more powerful, powerful way. I thank God for those that are already doing that, but we need more to join the team. Number one, death to self comes before faithful service. Number two, following Jesus comes before intimate I want you to look at John chapter 12 and verse 26 for just a moment. And I want you to notice two words that Jesus used a lot. He used it a lot. Here it is. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. How often in Scripture did Jesus... In fact, it's like Jesus just went around asking people to follow him. Follow me. Follow me. He said it often in the Word. I know that many of us have been let down in church. I want to acknowledge that. Even here at Gospel Light, 
There's been times when I know that folks have kind of felt alone in their service, maybe even burned out. But I want you to take, as we address that, I want you to take a moment and notice the rest of the verse because I didn't put the whole verse down. Look on the screen again and notice the rest of the verse. If anyone serves me, he must follow me because where I am, there will my servant be also. I want you to see there's something you're to do before you serve him, and that is you are to follow him. And what Jesus is saying here is if you want to serve me, thank you, that's a great thing, but it's got to start with following me. Jesus, I'll go to work for you. No, 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 not yet. First, follow me. What does that mean? And what does Jesus mean when he says that, follow me? Well, I believe he means three very specific things. Number one, he means walk with me. Walk with me. You know, that's a phrase that you sometimes hear used by preachers or pastors or, you know, walk with God. But there's some value in that. What does walking with God mean? It means having an intimate, personal, ongoing, spiritual relationship with Jesus through your time in word and and prayer. And that should be on the screen. An intimate, personal, ongoing, spiritual relationship with Jesus Let me tell you what it is. It's the last two sermons at Gospel Light. It's the last two sermons. Prayer and fasting that Pastor Jeremy preached. That's what it is. That statement is your messages. We told you it was going to tie in because it is what Jeremy preached the last two weeks that makes this sermon of any value. Because without that, serving is going to burn you out. It's it's going to only last a short period of time. But if you serve Christ in the overflow of an intimate, personal relationship with him, it makes all the difference in the world. Number two, he says, follow me. He means live like me. Be like me. That's what Jesus says to us today. Before you serve me, live like me. And I think that's been skewed a little bit in these recent years. And, And I'm all for the what would Jesus do movement and the what would Jesus do bracelets and necklaces and t-shirts but I think we've kind of reduced serving God to the jewelry it's almost as if we feel as if we're serving God by wearing a bracelet or wearing a band or a t-shirt and I'm not against those things but I think we're missing the boat it's not the bracelet we're wearing that that makes us like Christ it's it's being like Jesus. It's, it's following Jesus. It's living the way that Jesus would live. And Jesus says, before you serve me, follow me. I want you to walk with me, and I want you to live like me. And then he says, out of that, then work with me. Number three, work with me. Partner with me. Let's build the kingdom together. I've given you gifts. I've given you responsibilities. And I need those. Following Jesus comes before intimate service and I've not always practiced that confession's good for the soul amen oh yeah I think as a pastor sometimes I have misguided our congregation and there have been times when I have not stewarded well the proper if you will, the, the, you know, the, the, the proper procedure, if you will, or process. You know, there's been times when I've been so busy, 
just so busy, so wrapped up in working and working and leaving the house early and getting to the church and, and doing everything I can do to make sure that every I is dotted, T's crossed and getting as many people to help me as possible. And we had a time in our church where that was what we were all about is doing. And I'm thankful I've learned some things. And I'm thankful that even though today we don't have as many things on the schedule, we don't have as many services you can attend and come to, but we do have a lot of opportunity to impact the kingdom of God, more than we've ever had before. But it's got to come out of intimate service. This week at our vacation, I wasn't really tired going into the vacation. I really wasn't. I think that's a testimony of some of the things that we've done to, to change the culture of our church. But I will tell you this, I learned something on vacation. I need that time with God more than anything. And waking up and spending an extra hour with God in the mornings, and whether it was looking at a beach or looking at a lake or just looking at a golf course or wherever, we, we had a really sweet, precious time together on vacation. But I think I kind of, even the pastor had to get back to, okay, Eric, before you get busy, you need this. This is where it's at. I don't mind you doing stuff for me, but I want you to do stuff with me. Because when you do stuff with me, we work better together. Spend time with God. And out of that intimate relationship, serve him. Listen, anybody ever serve Christ when they didn't really have an active intimacy with Christ? Anybody like me or am I the only one? Can I have, thank you, Craig. Okay, Kevin and Craig, thank you, okay. (laughs) Anybody else want to join that? Has anybody ever served God? Yeah, I think probably all of us for just a minute. I know it's hard. You've got to process. But if you think about it, it's true. We, we work so much. We wear ourselves out. And somehow prayer and fasting just gets moved out of our lives. And we fill our lives up with self and with loving our lives. Number three. Honor comes after faithful service. I'm going to close with this. It's right there in the passage. It's so clear. Well, I love it when the Bible's clear. John chapter 12 and verse 26. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Wow. There it is. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, what does that mean to you? Because I think it needs to mean something to you. I want, I want you to attach yourselves to that thought. Honor comes after faithful service. The idea that God is going to honor the people who serve him. That fires me up. That fires me up. God is going to honor those who serve him. You know, I'm motivated by three things. I've always made this very clear. My salvation is the first thing that motivates me every day of my life. Just knowing that I am a child of God is like, That just blows my mind. It blows my mind that I am a son of God. That that God knows my name. that That God knows and cares and loves me. He died for me. And since that day that I trusted him as my savior, as Addison made uh, public this morning and Lincoln made public this morning. There was a day when I made it public to, to the whole world that Jesus is my savior. And I'm still excited about it. And I'm serving out of the overflow of that. I'm saved. Number two, 
My family motivates me. I am motivated by my children, my wife and my grandchildren. You motivate me. That's why the vacation was valuable as well. Because it helped me to, to, to wrap my arms again around this precious treasure called family that God has given me. And why I don't want to get crazy and stupid and throw that away. I want to live my life. To, I want to leave a legacy to these children, to my wife, to my grandchildren. I, I love my family and they motivate me. I'm inspired by them. But there's a third thing that motivates me. And it's attached to the scripture. It's the judgment seat of Christ. You know, you ever heard of that day? It's a real day. It's actually a day when we stand before God and give an account. You say, wait a minute. Give an account for what? Well, I've been judged in the past as a sinner. Can I get an amen for that? Oh, yeah. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. I've been judged of all of my sins, past, present, and future. God has saved me. He's made me whiter than snow. My sins are as far as the east is from the west. When God looks at me, he looks at me as if I were his son. That's amazing. But I'm judged in the present as a son. Not as a sinner, as a son. He chastises me. He loves me so much that when I do get a little bit off kilter, I get, I get a little spanking. I like that. It means he loves me. Whom the Lord loves, he, 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 he chastens. He he loves me. In fact, one of the greatest evidences of being a Christian is chastening. It's knowing that God loves me enough to not let me do stupid stuff without hearing from him. And so I'm judged in the past as a sinner. I'm judged in the present as a son. I'm judged in the future as a servant. I'm going to stand before God and give an account for my life, for the things that I did for him. God's keeping record of that. And so, so I want to, before I give you my last three thoughts and tell you what I think Jesus is communicating in this statement, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I want to give you a second commercial because you look like you're getting bored. So go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. I obviously hope you're still enjoying the sermon because I'm here now with John Schroeder, our deacon over the landscape here at Gospel Light. We have a lot of property to take care of, and he's going to tell you about another kingdom responsibility that you can be a part of. John? So, hey, folks, thank you for listening. Listen, we have got an awesome opportunity, not just to mow the yards and clean the hedges and clean out everything, but to have you have a ministry opportunity. So there are lots of lost souls walking through this property. And if you're out here pushing a mower and you turn that thing off and you take just a second to pray with them, you may change a life. And I've been able to see some of that happen. But I need two or three or four or five or how many men I can get to volunteer. We mow every Saturday. And you don't have to do it every Saturday, but we need some help. And I would love to help you. I have an extra mower, an extra weed eater. I've got a couple other things, too, that we can use as far as equipment. So if you don't have any equipment, don't let that hold you back. Come to a kingdom responsibility, take care of work here on God's grounds, and give some of your time. And then maybe you can pray with somebody too. We'd love to have you. That's awesome, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. That's what this sermon's all about. So, right now, after the sermon, gospelite.org steps to become a volunteer and be a part of John's team taking care of this facility for, the Lord and, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good stuff. You know what John does? He brings his son Braxton with him. So, 
I'll see John and Braxton out there together, father, son, working, working and mowing and weeding. It's good. And usually it takes us, if we have a, a decent crew, it takes us an hour, hour and a half maybe to get it all done uh, on average if we're consistent with it. So it's a really good opportunity. And you would, again, go to the website and press on volunteer. And that's where it starts. It starts right there by pressing that little button and saying, hey, I'm interested. Here's my application. Just want to interview with somebody, talk to somebody about how I can get involved with kingdom responsibility. So what is God communicating? Here's what he's communicating. Number one, God knows who is serving him and who is not. He actually cares about that. God knows. I mean, in other words, if God could actually go through this building and say, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, maybe, sort of, a little bit, yes, no. I mean, God knows that kind of a thing. God is aware. Now, now this... This is not to produce guilt, not at all. But I also am not afraid if it produces a little guilt or conviction. I'm not afraid of that. Because I think that's what it takes sometimes for the Holy Spirit to work is some boldness in presenting the truth. And when we present the truth in love, then we can all sit here and receive it and say, yeah, I, I need to consider some things. You know, I, I, I used to, but I want to do it again. Number two, I think God is communicating this, that he values the contribution of every servant. It matters to God. It matters to him. In fact, there is a fascinating passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. I want you to read it later this afternoon, tomorrow, this week. Meditate on it, pray about it. But let me just read you an introduction verse to that text where it says, according to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, God's given me a life. God laid, has laid a foundation for that life, the master builder, Jesus. And someone else is building upon it. That's me. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. It goes on to speak about the fact that there are specific things like gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. The bottom line is this. The bottom line, as you read that text, is that your rewards in heaven will be directly related to the effectiveness and the proper motivations of your service to Christ. That's the bottom line. And I, wanted, I want you to just be inspired by that passage of Scripture. Very powerful that God knows what we're doing, and he actually keeps a record of it. And then number three, God will someday honor every faithful servant. Wow. God will, God will honor a faithful servant. Have you ever heard of that statement in Matthew 25? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I like that. I, I, I wouldn't mind hearing that line. I'm, I'm not really interested in that. Well, you've been saved by the skin of your teeth. Congratulations, you got some fire insurance. I don't, I don't want the skin of the teeth line. I'd rather have the well done, good and faithful servant line. One more thought. And that thought comes out of verse 25 again. And it's really like, wow. I don't know that I've completely processed this final thought yet. But can I share it with you in closing? Look at verse 25 on the screen. Whoever hates his life loses it. Or rather, whoever loves his life loses it. Excuse me. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. But then there's this really interesting final few words that I'm not sure what to make of. He'll keep it for eternal life. 
I'm not insinuating salvation by works at all. I realize we are not saved. You can't earn your salvation. But there seems to be some connection to serving Christ and being saved. It kind of reminds me of that passage, faith without works is dead. Apparently, there is something about the people who are genuinely converted that they want to serve the king. I mean, if eternal life is truly in your future, then this sermon is something you love. You you are excited about. You can't wait to click that button. I mean, look, I just need more information, preacher. I want to serve the master. I, I want to follow Christ and serve Christ. So I challenge you this morning. I challenge you this morning as a committed follower of Jesus Christ. If that's your testimony to be involved in kingdom responsibility because God shows up when I'm serving. He shows up.